Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Saturday Morning Sports Symporium. My name's Justin Lee, along with Adam Swenson and Brandon Lee. How's it going, gentlemen? Great. Good afternoon. So we're recording this on the afternoon of Saturday the 14th. Today's the 14th. I was trying to jump forward in history of October 2023, and obviously lots of things to talk about since the last time. We dropped one of these fun podcasts on y'all. That's the hip terminology, right? Excellent. Drop? Drop? Yeah, something like that? It's something like that. Whatever. Yeah, um, we do have lots of football to talk about. Obviously, Michigan, Michigan State. Um, the Lions. I mean, my goodness. My goodness. Um, <clears throat> my goodness. End of the Tigers season. Uh, Red Wings just getting started. I believe we have a basketball team in this town. Uh, we'll also touch a little bit on golf as well in the Ryder Cup. And that is what is on the menu for today's Emporium. So starting off um, with U of M football, um, so far so good, right? I mean, what else? Uh, what else really can you say? Other than, and I mean, could they be doing better? And I'm not sure that the answer is yes. Well, I, I'm not wearing Michigan uh, paraphernalia, so I, I, I think Brandon needs to <laughs> pick this up, pop up, and run with it, or pick up the ball and run with it. So right. yeah, they don't like it when you pick the puck up. Yeah, no. not typically. Um, no. Yeah, I, I mean, they are. They appear to be uh, as advertised. Uh, you know, uh, uh, worthy, I think, and in my opinion of, you know, being one of the top couple teams in the country in terms of the rankings, I think that that notion maybe was called into question the first couple weeks of the season. I think the last three weeks have firmly cemented them, you know, as a, as a playoff caliber team at this point in the year. Um, you know, and I like that they've shown that they have a different gear. Uh, and that always hasn't been the case, even with good Michigan teams. You know, I think about the Michigan team that really broke through two years ago. You know, you know, finally breaking that streak with Ohio State, they pretty much had one gear, uh, which was very good. And they were kind of plotting and, and moving forward. But this team knows how to kind of turn it up a couple of levels. And that has been a hallmark of previous Georgia teams, Alabama teams, Ohio State teams. Uh, you know, I think we'll take today's results as a fresh example. Uh, thoroughly dominated uh, in the first quarter by Indiana and then rips off, you know, 30, 35 unanswered points and ultimately wins 52 to 7. You know, that is a different gear uh, that they jumped up into. And so I think there's a lot a lot of reason to uh, to be pleased about that. But, you know, I think the big question is, is what does what does Penn State have in store for them, Adam? You know, you know, Penn State has a good football team and they're playing on the road. They're playing at night. They've had trouble uh, in, the, in the, those two contexts in the past. And, you know, I guess we're going to find out who's real. You know, you look at today's game, too. You start off the first quarter with three sacks of uh, J.J. McCarthy against Indiana. And in my mind, I mean, you know, you, you sit there, you see that, you know, from the scoreboard that they, they dominate, right? But in the meantime, this is a team that has, for the most part, started specifically offensively very slow uh, all season. And I'm really of the opinion when you're on the road, you're playing a Penn State team that is as good of a team as Dream Franklin has had, other than maybe questioning a little bit the quarterback play. Um, 
you you really if when they go to Penn, you know Penn State, and and I I would argue right now from a schedule standpoint, their toughest game on their schedule will be the Penn State game because uh, it's on the road. Uh, because I think you're facing as good a team as you're going to find in in the Big Ten. They're going to have to play all four quarters. What will win that game, in my estimation, will be, uh, again, probably J.J. McCarthy having some conservative play and that defense just playing havoc on a Penn State offense that might be ever so slightly overrated. And, and that's what it really comes down to. And, and just to expand, I I know Ohio State played pretty well at Purdue today. They, they, they dominated that game. But they were completely lackadaisical last week against um, uh, Maryland. Um, at, at when historically coming off a bye, usually the, the American victory is at least 35 to 40 points for Ohio State. And they were asleep. And part of it is, they don't have a great quarterback, right? That that that's one problem that they have. Secondly, is it just they played a great. I, I thought they played a a great game at. Um, well, I'll, I'll say a very good game at Notre Dame. I think the big reason that they won at Notre Dame is I think Notre Dame lost the game more than I think that Ohio State won the game. Um, and, and trust me, it was painful to watch. Uh, from my perspective, based on yeah. where I was at, yeah, um, no, I, yeah. I can't can't agree with you more on the the Ohio State take. I think you know they're just it's a combination that Ryan Day is not Urban Meyer, though I hate him as I do. Uh, Ryan, <laughs> I mean, he was a superior football coach, uh, and he knew how to squeeze every bit out of his players, and that is not Ryan Day. Nor does Ryan Day have the same kind of talent that Urban Meyer was walking around with. That all left in the last two years. He's left with it. A very, very good football team, a top 15 football team. But in this particular context, you know, matches up so unbelievably badly against Michigan in this particular season. I mean, it just could not be a worse matchup. They can't run the ball, and they have shoddy quarterback play, and he's not mobile. Ohio State's had some issues in the past on the ground, but they've always had a JT Barrett or somebody else, Braxton Miller, that can get outside of the pocket and mess things up for Michigan in the second tier. Kyle McCord's not running around. And, yes, Marvin Harrison's going to have eight touches for 150 yards and two touchdowns, but Ohio State's not going to win the game scoring 14 points on the road. So they are going to really have to get some contributions from guys that are going to have to play above their station um, in order for them to be close with Michigan. So I think you're, you're right on. Penn State is, is really the test. Um, and I think if they can weather the storm there, I think they're a better football team. I think the question is, is can they – can they weather the atmosphere? Because, you know, those are tough games at night on the road in the big 10 against the top 10 team. I mean, that's tough. So the interesting thing, Adam, to see how it plays out, Justin will be, these two teams play each other. The two teams are talking about play each other pretty soon. I think if not next week, then the following week, Penn state and Ohio state play. Well, Ohio Penn, state. Penn, Penn state, Ohio state's next week. Right. So, yeah, we, so. We, we know that that's that it will, we'll know a lot more. And, and I think some people go, don't we know something about Ohio State after Notre Dame? No, we don't. I, I don't know what happened at that, that, that game. Notre Dame should have won that game and, and, and next that. Yeah. Um, but from a Big Ten perspective, I think it's very tough to gauge based on the opponents that have gone out there. Um, 
I take a look at like, you know, the one the one game that I, I think I really have to walk away pretty impressed with with Penn State and, and they've come decent games is just they absolutely destroyed the Iowa defense at home. And that that's where I think you're, you're you know, Michigan's really gonna have to figure out what they're going to do defensively in order to avoid that to happen, which I think is very doable. I don't know exactly. There was a weird game from the standpoint that uh, I I don't know. It seemed like Iowa just didn't know how to quite contain that 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 offense, and 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 they've done so good all year doing it. It was very fast. Yeah, I, I think Penn State. I watched that game. Unfortunately, um, I think a lot of what happened there was that Penn State simply feared nothing about Iowa's offense, and so they really attacked. Iowa on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball and pretty much just blew the gates off before the game right. even started, basically, because Iowa is just so helpless. Yeah. Good luck, Brian yeah. Ferentz. Good luck to you, sir. Yeah. So for those that don't know, Brian Ferentz has a clause in his contract that if the Iowa offense does not average 25 points a game, he's automatically terminated. So it's not looking good for Brian Ferentz. So. Well, he'll have to squirrel out of Wisconsin. Today, so. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, didn't that's a very interesting. His dad also coaches the team, so there's a lot happening there. So, anyway, For how long though? Who knows? It could be a Ferencless Iowa program next year. <laughs> Wouldn't shock me. I'll tell you that. Indeed. So, with Michigan, let's you know we'll we'll back up here just for a moment and not look too far ahead. And obviously we got Michigan, Michigan state coming up, which should be a laugher. But I mean, when, when you look at Michigan state uh, today, just kind of snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, But um, everything on paper says that Michigan state should get crushed by Michigan. And yet these games almost always are competitive. Is there any reason to think this will be a competitive game? Uh, my, my, so I guess it's been since the, there hasn't been a margin in this game over 20, at least at Michigan State, of Michigan beating Michigan State at East Lansing any more than 20 points since the early 80s. Mm-hmm. So now right now, the uh, look-ahead line on the game was 24 and a half points. Um. I, 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 and especially with everything that happened last year in this game, in the post game, I would imagine there's going to be a lot of nerves going on. Um, and, and I think that, you know, what Michigan is probably going to be one of those where they're just going to want to get in, get out, and make it a business trip. And they're not going to want to make it any more than it needs to be. And that's where I believe, again, it'll maintain the under, under 20 points. Um, and and they'll leave it at that. But I, I, you know, I mean, I sat there and, you know, today with the Indiana game, and I thought, oh boy, this could be interesting. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> and and they continued to score touchdowns even in the last, you know, eight, eight nine minutes of the yeah, game. It, it um, was actually. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it was actually fifty-two straight points. Um, yeah. So it, yeah, they just said, okay, we're going to win now. And then some. I, I, so, I just tend to believe that, that this rivalry is different, and I think it'll be under that 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 twenty points again. 
Yeah, I mean, one, I did not know that Rutgers came back and won that game. Uh, I had fully tuned out of it. So, wow. Uh, okay. That's a that's a look. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I think the, I think some of that stat line that's been thrown around a lot in the last couple of days is a, is a is a thing of circumstance, right? You know, it has ha- just so happened that more recently, in a couple of years where the Michigan State program was really down, you know. Many some of those games were played in Ann Arbor. In particular, you know, D'Antonio's last game, which they got absolutely annihilated in. Um, would I, based on that history, based on everything, would I bet this game? I would not bet this game. Would it have shocked me if Michigan won by five touchdowns? No, it would not shock me if Michigan won by five touchdowns. I mean, I think Michigan State is in for some real trouble. I mean, even past teams. Let's 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 go beyond the John L. Smith era. How about that? D'Antonio went on. There was. A, a degree of talent on those rosters that I do not see this year. The transfer portal completely depleted whatever was remaining of Michigan State talent. I mean, I don't know how many guys – do they have one guy drafted, two guys drafted? I mean, that team is devoid of talent, uh, truly in a way that I have not seen for some time. Uh, and I think that is what is ultimately going to make this. In addition to all of the absurdity surrounding the program right now, I think Michigan State's going to get annihilated. I don't think it's going to be close. I don't think it's going to even be like last year. Because last year, Michigan State had some serious deficiencies, but they had talent, like Keon Coleman, who's going to be a first-round pick next year, uh, who's dominating at Florida State, right? So they had those guys last year. They got Malik Carr and maybe a guy on defense. So, And Michigan's got maybe 15 to 20 guys that are going to get drafted or signed in the NFL this year. Uh, they're talking about is probably the largest Michigan draft class in history. Um, not, not a ton of first rounders, but I mean, just the amount of NFL talent on the Michigan team right now, I just think it's going to be too much, but somewhere Mel Tucker will be chopping his hand. So I'm sure that will motivate the troops to, to do well. Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah, well, speaking of, uh, Mel Tucker and obviously you alluded to the situation going on there. And I would say that, um, you know, we don't obviously need to go into it. It's been covered ad nauseum in the, the press. But one thing I will say is that if there was a way to handle this more poorly, Michigan State would find it. Um, and everyone involved in this situation appears to not be great, um, for lack of a better way of saying it. And... Uh, I'm trying to not use profanity, um, but there's a word that comes to mind um, that to describe, well, how about this? Buffoonery, utter buffoonery, if you're Michigan State. Um, In any case, what you going to do? Recoup $90 million and hopefully go get something that has a pulse. And, 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 well, and that's the thing is with, it's, it'll be very interesting. You will never know what really happens, but there will be a settlement of some sort. And they, and this is totally why they did this. And, and, I, and I'm not trying to bring, you know, I'm not trying to diminish the allegations or anything along those lines, but they didn't even pretend like they weren't going to fire him. Like yep. that was a little shocking. Um, they were just like, Ooh, we can save some money. Yeah, we can we can claw, crawl, you know, 
claw back 60, 65 million dollars. Yeah. Which they're going to need um, because, boy, I mean, the, the, it's a big program. It's a big institution. You know, they're like a top 30 market, quote unquote, in the mm-hmm. way that those are graded out in the country in terms of dollars and recruiting and everything like that. But boy, the cupboard baron. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I said similar things about Mel Tucker when D'Antonio got here, which was or when D'Antonio left, which is that, you know, he did not leave the program in good standing. But he left, you know, with the exception of the quarterback position, he mostly left talent in pockets on that team. I don't see the talent on this team. And what talent they do have, again, is going to the draft. Malik Carr, a couple of guys on defense. But, I mean, this is a this is a program in, in despair. So let's move. Oh, Adam, go ahead. Real quickly, from a Michigan State standpoint, they've got to go out and get a name head coach. Yeah. There's no they, – they, they've got to – They've got to be able to go out and figure out who that is. But if that's an Urban Meyer, get Urban Meyer. Yes, Urban Meyer is a completely despicable human being. But guess what? He will get your football program where it needs to be, right? Maybe you go out, you get a uh, Chip Kelly. I've heard that name before. I think that can absolutely be brilliant. You need a name, especially with this transfer portal. And I think the thing – and Brandon – there's two things that have happened with the transfer portal with Michigan State. One, they've lost players, and then the whole point of the transfer portal is to go get players, and they guess stuff. Oh, well, we're we're not going to go get players. It's like you may hate the transfer portal, you may despise it, but the bottom line is is that you are a, a and to your point, you're a top thirty university. You have multiple people that own sports franchises, that are your alumni. Figure it out. Get the money. Pay the money. Get the players. Play football. Let's make it happen. So, Yeah. You know, I think there are some intriguing names out there. Chip Kelly, to me, is one of them. I don't think there's a chance in hell Urban Meyer comes anywhere near that job. Um, I, I just, I can't possibly see it. Um, and in fact, his old job may be opening up uh, in the next couple of years. I don't know if he'd want it, but I don't know how long Ryan Day is for Ohio State. Um, but, you know, there are guys like Elko and others, Kelly. You know, there are named guys out there they could go get, but they're going to have to pay. They have to pay a lot. Oh, yeah. They're going to yeah. have to pay in the order of like national coverage about overpaying. Um, you know, they're going to have to put together an 80 to 100 million dollar package over eight to 10 years. Uh, to get one of these guys, because that's just where the program is. This is not an attractive job, current state that gives the the other coaches a lot of leverage. You know that are that we would be interviewing. And, and 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 just to expand one more, and then we can move on. Michigan State has to do that because of how the 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 makeup of the Big Ten is changing, right? You have you have Oregon, or excuse me, uh, um, UCLA, USC. Oregon, Washington coming in. You're becoming a super conference. And if Michigan State does not do something seismic, they will become a complete also ran and just basically tread for these other teams in the conference at that point. And when you consider the resources that Michigan State does have, that would be an atrocity, period, end of story. Yeah, no, I I mean, this is a very real thing in my mind for 
Ohio State and Michigan as well. Both Ohio State and Michigan are going to have down seasons next year to where they are now, and they are walking into the buzzsaw of a couple of teams coming in here that are firing on a lot of cylinders. You know, they're going to take some hits too. You know, Oregon and Washington are going to have a lot of talent leave as well, but they're good football programs. They're well coached. And especially if you're going on the road out there, I mean, you know, where, you know, the Michigans and the Ohio States and the Penn States have been kind of circling each other is their one loss potential. Now you have a very, very real possibility of going out and losing football games on the West Coast. So it's going to be very interesting to see. And it does, to Adam's point, put a program like Michigan State or Minnesota or, or some of those other programs in real danger, too, um, of being irrele- completely irrelevant. We're done with that topic. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Just Sorry. Sorry. No, so just good. to summarize, Michigan State bad. Um, <laughs> not good. Got it. Got it. Let's go to a team that is not bad. How about that? Detroit Lions. They're not bad. See, I said that. I said it. I didn't cringe. Nothing. Um, I'm still not on the bandwagon. Uh, but um, they they have played outstanding football uh, for the most yeah. part this year, and they really have. And you know, the one thing that's struck me with the Lions, and you know, we certainly have a number of different things to cover here. But the one thing that has struck me with the Lions is uh, some outstanding defensive performances. And when I think about the Lions over the history of my life, until you go back to the Wayne, Fon- it's like you have the Wayne Fonts era, and you had your Benny Blades and William Whites and um, a number of other folks whose names are escaping me. I mean, we did have Sue not that long ago, but like it's been the offensive players. It's been the Calvin Johnson. It's been the Barry Sanders. It's been Matt Stafford. And to see Alliance defense actually like play <laughs> and not be terrible and actually quite frankly be good that is actually what in some ways is more startling to me than anything. No, I, I, I think there's so many good things going on right now, right? You, you've got Jared Goff playing as good a quarterback as anyone in the yep. NFL at this point. Um, you have a really great signing of David Montgomery, the running back, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, we have to give credit Mr. Brain, I, I don't know what book he would have found these odds in, but he on the last show before he left, we, we closed the show down to make sure that the anyone that listens should be going out and looking for Sam Laporta odds uh, for a whole season. And uh, I mean, he, mm-hmm. they probably have already won money. We're not even uh, halfway through October, for heaven's sakes, right? Yep. Um, the, 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 so that offense, you know, and 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 there was a lot of talk about the wide receivers being in a bad spot. But in the meantime, Josh Reynolds has done his job this year. Obviously, St. Brown, uh, you know, he was injured in the last game. That didn't seem to be a, a big factor. I and and now and, and I, I would say out loud and, and because if there's anything that the NFL does is they they scrimp on one thing in the NFL. They, they they save as much money as possible and they make as little of a commitment as possible to. And that's officiating. And I would tell you that if the Lions would have, if, if the NFL would have had good officiating, even, even passing versus not feeling officiating, they would be undefeated now. 
They would have won against the Seahawks. But the officiating was so horrendous that it, it did end up changing the outcome of that game. Maybe the Montgomery injury was a little more impactful than I'm giving credit for. But in my in my humble opinion, this team would be undefeated at this point if, if, the, if the officiating. And I know you can't complain about the officiating, but it was so unbelievably egregious that I have to call it out. And really, and it's what I truly, deeply believe. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think they just they, they didn't not deserve to lose that game. I guess I'll put it that way to be as com- convoluted as possible. Uh, I do believe the officiating really went against them, but I mean, they really, really did not handle their business against Seattle. And so, did they deserve to win if the officiating was better? Sure, but let's not also pretend like they put a product out there that true like. You know, it was overwhelmingly better. You you don't give up that many points at home. Like I mean, that they, they did not look good defensively in that game. No, uh, no, no. But 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 I I would say in general, and and I think the only the thing I would come back to, um, just with is the games that they've had this far: Kansas City, um, uh, the Carolina, Atlanta, um, and and then. Uh, I'm missing a game, but the whole point being is that in in, in Green Bay, the, the, the one thing I would say is as good as those the, the defense has played, those four collective teams, including Kansas City, have not been very good offensively this year. So you're taking advantage of a real opportunity in those particular games, and I'm I'm very curious. We're we are recording this show the day before the uh, the the, uh, the Lions game down in. Um, uh, down in Tampa. Now, Tampa has played very respectable football this year. I think, again, they've taken the opportunity of, of being a, a, a good team, um, uh, you know, a, a team going up against opponents that are certainly inferior and in, in managing their business pretty effectively. But again, their one loss was the, uh, or the one loss that I know that they did not look very good against was the Eagles at home. Uh, on on a Monday night, I mean they they looked feeble. It is it, and and I I really believe now tomorrow. I I think there's some fear of the Lions going into this game against Tampa. I sure. have no fear. I, I I I think I think the Lions will win handedly. I think that, and the reason for that they play with and just and I think that we've talked about this for many years, but they the Lions at this point the the biggest thing I can say is they play with an identity. And that identity is the offensive line, the running game, being as efficient as possible uh, on offense in terms of hitting hard. But guess what? They're starting to get that identity, too, on the uh, defensive side, whether it be Brian Branch, you know, that secondary, uh, and and obviously uh, Isoloni and and the defensive line, just making it the the whole game in the trenches so challenging. I, I don't think that, Tampa does not have that identity in the East, and that's where I think the big difference will be again tomorrow. And it will be the rest of the year because, really, in honest, all honesty, when you look at their schedule, there's not a game on the rest of their schedule that the Lions will not be a favorite. Yeah, I, I have a little bit more conservative view on tomorrow. I, I think, you know, I also you know tend to have a pretty high opinion of the folks in Vegas. Uh, you know, in the line, you know, like, I mean, I don't know. I, I think 
I think tomorrow's a, a classic trap game. Will they win it? Will they lose it? I don't know. I heard there's going to be bad weather. Goff does not play as well outdoors as he does indoors. I think all the makings are there for a game that you you go on the road and lose. Would I be? Am I afraid of Tampa? No, absolutely not. They're not a play. I don't think they're a playoff team unless the division they're in continues to, you know, kind of nosedive. But afraid? No. Would I be shocked if they lost twenty four to twenty one? Nope, not in the slightest. Yeah, and I think you know, and and Tampa has a couple of things that are, would be worrisome to this team, and that's some really really big physical talented wide receivers. Uh, and I think that's still a concern uh, for the Lions defense. And Mayfield can can move in the pocket, and he can move outside of the pocket to get a little bit of relief uh, from what is a pretty ferocious pass rush at this point. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's going to be a good game. But, you know, it's the kind of game, if they win, you really know what you're dealing with here, which is a, you know, a high-quality division winner uh, who's going to get a home playoff game kind of a team, you know, especially if they win handily. You know, to Adam's point, you know, the, the rest of their schedule is pretty favorable. Yeah, and I would agree. I mean, this is typically the kind of game that you lose. I mean, just just in general, in football, this is the game. Not saying they're gonna. It's just, it's it, it's got the makings of it. But Adam, I just wanted to echo your point of, and we've talked about it for years and years, about football being one in the trenches. And when you have an offensive and defensive line that is successful, you can be successful everywhere else on the football field. Uh, not saying that talent isn't important, because of course it is, but if the Lions can continue to do that, they will continue to win. And that's, I mean, that's the simple truth of it. So, do Adam, do about- you think oh. the Lions are buyers of the deadline? Do you think they go out and make a move? I think yes. I I, I I think I think I think the big thing you always have to know though is that the the guys they're very selective about the guys that they're going to bring in. They have to be good fits, and I think that that's what it will come down to. One is and two, really trying to figure out what is that pricing at the line. This is a very new thing, you know. Baseball for you know, and then all of a sudden, in all honesty, baseball kind of died at the deadline for the most part of the last yeah, five totally. ten years. Yeah. NFL, it's never been a thing up until about two years ago, right? And so I think the challenge that you really have is, one, what is the market for whoever the players are going to be? And secondly, then who who is going to be available and are they good fits for, um, for, for this particular roster? And that's where I, I, I think that's... It's something that gets very understated. I go back to pre-draft and everybody getting wanting Jalen Carter. All the Lion fans wanted Jalen Carter to be that chair. And I, oh, I, I always found that whole discussion. Why? Because he's already a top ten defensive tackle in the NFL. He's dominant. I no, no but, but the bottom line though is that from a character standpoint, they wanted nothing of him, right? We we knew they That's were not interested in him. I, I think the other part and, and the other where football thing is you got a guy that really doesn't do very good in terms of of playing a lot of plays, right? I mean, you only play thirty percent of the plays down in in Georgia, and they think they want someone that has a lot more durability, you know, durability and stuff like that. And he's out tomorrow, by the way. Just to you know, but but as what I'm getting Jameer at, Gibbs. and as is right. Jalen Williamson, who who will get what 10, 10, 10 snaps tomorrow? They took him. Yes. No, I I and and that's where I think. 
again, I think Brad Holmes does get into the the, the getting the toys per se, and and that's a that's a concern, right? That's you could have been. I mean, with a couple better draft picks, you could have been way better than even you are right now. So, yeah, I mean, um, that's my thing. Like, they could be a threat to the Niners right now if they yeah. do some things differently in the last two drafts. Right. But I think your point, I think you're right. Your overall point is right, which is that clearly they have a mindset for who they want on that football field, which is exactly why Jamison Williams will probably not be a lion next year or the year after. Because they clearly uh, I, have nothing to do I, with this game. They're playing I, like XFL quality guys over him right now. Like, I mean, Khalif Raymond, you know, I mean, is not a, you know, Josh Reynolds was an NFL, a solid, decent NFL player, I guess, on his best days. But I mean, like, Dan Campbell's not coming out talking about how good he is in practice. They're pretty much saying they don't trust him. I've heard of the Dan Campbell comments. I think the interpretation of Dan Campbell comments are a little they're not accurate. And that's my my takeaway. I don't I don't I think you got a guy that was injured. I know how to count and I can count snaps. And that's really all that matters. I think he played he had what 35 snaps last week. Right. So no, I, 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 you know, I, I'm of the opinion that I, I think on this team above anything else, and he, he did in my mind what he needed to do, which was go out and he was good at blocking last week. That that's they they care more about a wide receiver blocking than they do catching the ball on this team, right? And, and, and that's you and, and that was the a number one assignment for James Williams last week. And I look at a guy who who played very little last year. And I think the other drawback too, I, I will go, and you guys know, I'm a I've been a jerk. I was perfectly fine them picking him up, bringing him in here. I think he's played unbelievable. But I'm gonna tell you something. Jameson or Jameson Williams Jared Golf combination is not great. That, that you you need a guy that really can throw the, the extreme deep ball. Jared Goff cannot do it. And he may not. You, you may be very well right. He may not be a good fit. But I am very, very, very far from saying that Jameson Williams won't be a really good player in this National Football League. I, and I'm I, very I, far from saying he won't be one on the Lions. So. I, will, I will concede the first point to you that Jamie, because of his speed, like – I this is I don't think this is a guy that is washing out of the NFL. I said that on the last show too, and I was making the same point. Like, th- I this is a guy that if he gets his head on straight, I think will be, I could be a dangerous player in this league. He will catch long touchdown passes. I think he'll catch long touchdown passes for the Lions this year, right? What is he going to do in January and February? And if you know taking. A guy, you know, 10, 12, and his primary role is blocking. I mean, that is certainly an innovative strategy for a first-round draft pick. But, you know, uh, I I just – this to me, this is the kind of guy that completely disappears in, in, in the playoffs. Like, this is a guy that will get shut down immediately. And so now you're left with Amon Ross St. Brown, and right. you're left with Sam Laporta. And so where I was going with this is, to me, they need a pass catcher at the deadline. They really do. Um, because, you know, Amon Ra is already battling injury issues. Laporta's mm-hmm. right behind him. I mean, these are high-use guys in this offense, to your point, Adam. Right. They are perfect yeah. Jared Goff receivers. Like, they are – they fit the bill. Uh, but because right. of that, they're, they're taking a lot of hits. So is Montgomery. Right. Yeah. 
So the fact check department has come back. Um, Williams played 28 snaps in okay. the uh, first game. That's the, the official. And um, he has as many career. This is really unfair, but he has as many career receptions as he does career drops. So just for the record. It has not been good. It's not been good. So, so do the Lions go out and find a, a pass catcher at the deadline? And, and, and is this potentially, is depth their biggest issue in terms of talent? I mean, we talked about the trenches and we talked about how that's so important. But at some point, you do need somebody to catch the ball. Is this their Achilles heel or is this just too early, too early to say that thing? I'm actually more worried about their their build their depth on the defensive line at you know with Houston out you know if they take another injury there I think that could potentially deflate a very strong advantage uh, that the team has right now. No, I, I, I again depth is always going to be a problem, but it doesn't matter even for the 49ers, it's going to be a problem. If if, if Christian McCaffrey is injured, guess what? Like a whole different <laughs> a whole different team, right? And and I mean. Uh, you know, and all of a sudden, maybe Brockford isn't you know the next coming of Tom Brady at that point. I I don't know, and I I mean so 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 the reality is is that 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 everything you're bringing up are no risks at, at this point, and now it's just a matter of of seeing how it all plays out. The good news, they're in the bar, by far worst worst division that you can yeah. be part of, right? I, I and by the way, anyone getting excited about the Bears, please stop. Okay, and the Vikings—they're—they're they're a nothing burger, right? I mean, and and again, they—they they were owed that after last season, and of course, then Green Bay. Uh, a lot of excitement about Jordan Love at the beginning of uh, through preseason, but 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 part of it there too is that they have not been healthy. Christian Watson, I don't know if he's one hundred percent healthy. Aaron Jones. Uh, yeah. Aaron Jones has been has has been not healthy. Um, so you got to give that team a little bit of time. So there's a good team um, trapped inside of Green Bay, but the quarterback play will never reveal it. I mean, he's—they figured him out real quick. Yeah, and he looks pretty pretty lost out there. So yeah, and very very early to talk about this, but the fact that the Lions are playing in an extraordinarily weak division. And the fact that in general the NFC is not particularly strong, I mean, that does speak well to the Lions' chances. Absolutely. So, yeah, I expect yeah, no, them I'm to good. have a, a, home, a home playoff game. I expect them to have a good chance of being able to win that game. Um, you'd be hard pressed to convince me they've got enough to beat the Eagles or the Niners, but yeah, I think they'd be competitive. And that is I, wow, I, is that a different place for us to be in? No, and I, I, you know what, we're going to know a lot more about the 49ers going forward. They're going to have a much way more interesting schedule that they've started the season off, including against the, the uh, Eagles coming up too. And the Eagles will have a much more interesting schedule coming up. That's where I, if the Lions can stay healthy, I I don't put it past them to get a number two seed or even a number one seed, right? But again, they've got to stay healthy. Uh, and, and I think there's some chinks to the armor in both Philadelphia and, and uh, San Francisco as well that we have not necessarily seen the first several games of the season because they haven't really faced anyone. 
Um, and I, I thought we would get a little bit of an enlightenment, but I, I mean, the Cowboys were completely lost on Sunday. I don't even know if they knew where they were playing. So. I, I don't know if they did either, but they'll probably make the playoffs. And so to win by 32 against yeah. a playoff team, pretty impressive. Absolutely. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not. But it, it just, the whole Mike McCarthy, and I, I you know, I, oh. I talked to our, a good friend of our show, uh, Clay Flay, weekly about the Cowboys, and I still. They're fraudulent. Uh, until, I mean, and, and and really to be honest with you, until Jerry's the team, they're they're never they're, they're going to be what they're going to be, which is a, a complete charade. So, so the only thing I was going to say to wrap this part of it up is, if the Lions do have a home playoff game, which would be very exciting, this would be the third home playoff game in my lifetime, uh, which is pretty astonishing when you think about it, because I have personally myself witnessed in person two no hitters in baseball in my lifetime. In fact, since the Lions had a home mm-hmm. playoff game. Yeah, in the last eight years, right? Or ten years? Uh, Twelve. Yeah. Twelve years, yeah. Yeah. It, so it just it's it's you know, just think about that uh, for a minute. It's this the, the city will just explode. It already is. And I think, you know, I, you know, my last word would be like, wow, do the, are the fans, you know, turning turning Ford Field into a, a difficult place to play? Like, kudos to them. As you're watching the game, teams are struggling with the, with the crowd noise in Detroit. I mean, it is actually becoming a pretty pretty nasty place to play. And Jared Goff is very good at home. He is a notch <laughs> above where he is on the road. Like, I mean, he's a very good quarterback at Ford Field. A top 10 quarterback at Ford Field, in my opinion. So, of course, made my reference to baseball, so we'll move over to baseball. I haven't talked about any Castros, although there were more Castros in the playoffs than there were Tigers. Um, That said, Tiger season is over. Um, A nice little run there at the end of the season. And, excuse me, the only thing I want to say to kick this off and then move past it is, um, I think we've all been extraordinarily critical of the Tigers organization, some more than others, granted, over the last X number of years. Um, the way they handled the Cabrera situation, particularly in those last uh, week and a half, two weeks, but even all season, was outstanding. They actually did a really good job organizationally handling that and giving him a really nice send-off. Um, so kudos to them because they did it the right way. Um, And having had the chance to go to, you know, the two last games and seeing the ceremony, Trammell gave a really, really nice speech. And then uh, the way they set up that final game, well done. AJ Hinch had a lot to do with that. Well, well done. Um, And it makes me sad that this era is over. Um, The best player in my lifetime that I've gotten the opportunity to see on a regular basis in Major League Baseball. And hopefully one of these new guys will uh, will be somewhere in that neighborhood. I mean, be 75% as good, you might still go to the Hall of Fame. So um, now, will it be Riley Green? Will he stay off the injured list? Guy needs Tommy John surgery on his non-throwing elbow, which is just baffling. He destroyed his UCL on a dive. 
Um, that scares me. I mean, I mean, love to see the hustle and the effort. He's clearly amazingly talented, but my God, we got to keep him on the field. Um, and then Spencer Torkelson, I hope that we can officially stick the fork in. He's a bust. I mean, please, 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 please. 30 home runs, 90 RBI. Please stop. And hitting right around the league average, which granted is miserable at 240, but it is what it is. Um, he's 20, what, 23? Like, if he can be a good Adam Dunn at 23, <laughs> the road looks good in terms of his offensive performance. Um, and then the pitching staff was, again, um, Tarek Skubal in particular. I know we won't, Adam, you want to talk maybe a bit about him. Uh, he looked dominant in his in his starts, and I am really excited to see what they're going to do there or what he's going to do. Uh, before, before we jump into you know, that, I, uh, I, I do want to just offer a slightly different – like I – Felt the same way, you know, we were there at the last game together. I felt the same way about how they handled, you know, the end of his time with us. But I am not actually sad to see this end at all. Uh, in fact, I wish it would have ended two or three years ago for him. Uh, and, you know, I, to me, they destroyed this team six or seven years ago. And we are still watching members, members of that team go out and do extraordinary things in the playoffs. Almost on a nightly basis right now, they destroyed that team. And it has become very clear that was not they did not need to go as far as they did uh, in what no they did to this, to, this, to this era. You know, and really the first era for me, like of really competitive Tigers baseball and high quality talent. And so I am I'm very happy with the way he went out. I'm, I mean, I don't want to say, like, give up and not get 3000 hits. I mean, that's absurd. Right. But in general, watching the deterioration of him. And knowing how many people are only going to see that guy and not the guy that we marveled at, you know, for the majority of his time here is like superhuman hitter that just could not be stopped no matter what you threw at him like that, that I am, I am kind of happy to see this end from yeah. that standpoint. So that's, no, that's just my, my piece there. Absolutely fair. And I, you know what, before we get into the team, I think that's also a great point because I've been watching these former Tigers a night in and night out and what they've been doing. And you know what, why did we blow up the team again? <laughs> you know, like we had to do this quote unquote rebuild because we, you know, people getting older and pricing them out. Well, you know what? They went on to have a whole lot of other good seasons. So, huh. And even That's, just some of the younger guys, right? Like, I mean, Hey, yeah. David Price had to go, right? I mean, maybe yes. even Verlander had to go, but why'd you get rid of Castellanos? Like, he was a young guy. Like, he was coming into his own. He was just starting to hit the way that Torkelson's hitting now. Just to give I, a point of comparison I, there, like, it took Cassianos a lot longer than it took Torkelson. Um, and he's a hell, of a hell of a hitter, so. He's a really, really good hitter. I, I, I think and part of it, too. a lot of fun to look. watch. Well, and, and he plays, you know, the thing is, though, is that he plays on a team that gets into the playoffs and they have a permanent chip on their shoulder. They don't, there's no reason for them to have a chip on their shoulder, but they all walk around with a big chip on their shoulder. Well, that's, 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 that's the city they're in. I mean, well, well yeah, but you got Trey Turner, the city. you know, Trey Turner's there, Castellanos, uh, you know, and, and you're right, you know, but I blame ownership. 
I absolutely blame ownership that if if the uh, and and this is where I I think they need to have a lot more criticism of how this has been handled because Justin, as far as I'm concerned, if you go back to and I'm, I'm, I know it's kind of convenient to go from '85 till now, and that's a pretty large sample in the history of baseball. Of course, you know, and I'll conveniently push '84 to the side. I mean, th- this team has had like two 10-year and now an almost another 10-year period of absolutely hideous performance. And that's why I was so indignant about being completely all right about Eduardo Rodriguez not being traded away because, in my opinion, that allowed them to go out and get very close to a very respectable almost 500 season which is way more than they've done in so many more of these seasons that they, they've been, they, they've participated in since 1985. And, and I really, and, and I think to be honest with you and, and to, uh, to, to uh, Brandon's credit, I think the whole keeping of Mickey Cabrera was a very convenient crutch for this front office and organization, specifically ownership that quite honestly has, put out a lot of promises that they haven't delivered on. And both from the city of Detroit, from a, a baseball team, a Comerica Park standpoint, there's a lot of things that get put out there, and there's not a whole lot of heat that goes back to them that, that I think is well-deserved. And, you know, um, I think that's a strong point, Adam. I, I really do. And I think we have to look more and more towards ownership because when you think about it, who was pulling the strings as Avila was trading all these folks away? Like, did he really want to do that or was he being pushed to reduce payroll? It's a legitimate question and I'm not yeah. trying to defend him or whatever. I'm just saying, yeah, that's fair. did he really want to do that? <laughs> or was ownership saying? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, don't, I think he didn't know what to do, uh, which is the problem all along. <laughs> well, I think that's a fair go. point. Yeah, a fair point. And so absolutely it was, it was ownership. I mean, it's the most obvious thing in the world. Of course it was the ownership. They said, hey, cut the payroll and we'll whip along with what we got. And oh, by the way, we'll just continue to go, oh, we're going to do this to Comerica, that and Comerica, not actually do it. Of course it was ownership. And that's where I go. They absolutely need to have their feet put to the fire. Yeah. Well, it'll be very interesting to see what they do next year because they have been puppeting out there that you know they're making all these huge changes to Comerica and the one thing that I've seen over and over again um, is like how about you just fix the speakers in the stands because there's certain parts in the ballpark where the speakers don't work that's embarrassing you're a major league baseball team you, you, I, I mean we're fortunate enough to where we can hear in our area unfortunately the speakers aren't loud enough to drown out some of the yahoos that sit around us but that's a different uh, issue altogether um but it'll be interesting to see. And quite frankly, you know, there are some little league aspects of Comerica. And Comerica is a very nice ballpark. It's, it's a very nice oh, yeah. ballpark. Uh, but they could do more with it. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in the offseason because they've really been going out there saying, hey, we're improving the in- indoors, you know, the clubhouse, et cetera. We got new nutritional programs. We've got new, all of these things, which is all great and good things that Scott Harris is doing, uh, needed things. But 
who knows? We shall see. And is it just that you're going to now have new Coney dogs at the Coney place, or are we actually going to get some substantial changes? Uh, you think they might replace the TVs that have been out of warranty for the last 15 <laughs> years, or no? <laughs> I just want consistent. I want to know when I walk in that ballpark that I can get a Bavarian pretzel and that that pretzel is going to be warm and that there's going to be cheese available. That has not been my experience this year. Last year, we had the good pretzels. This year, it was really hit or miss and it was unacceptable. And, and, and I'll tell you what, this team is going to get away with not spending a whole lot of money in this offseason because there's no one to spend money on. Yeah. Yep. I was laughing because I was looking at some of these Tiger blogs, and all of a sudden, like, oh, hey, by the way, there's really not a whole lot out there. Yeah, we talked about okay. that like in May when we say War Orioles is your your the 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 prime prize in the free agent market. Let's go spend Unless, twenty six million on Jack Peterson. <laughs> yeah, that like, is uh, a real problem. Yeah, and, they're going to have to make trades. They're going to have to, and they're going to have to go out get bad con and they're going to have to pick up some bad contracts maybe we move and- joey Votto into an american house in the area and he can play <laughs> i'll tell you i what, mean i'm just looking would- at the list as i have for the last 17 shows that we've done i've got this stupid free agency list in front of me and you had two of just because of their salaries two of the top four guys in this list are miguel cabrera and javi bias <laughs> and then there's shohei otani who I don't think if we kidnapped him, he'd stay. So, Justin, we can't talk about this right now. Every vein in uh, Brandon's face is about to pop the first open. So, I think it's very scary. I'm sick of looking at this subject immediately. (laughs) I am still of the opinion that we offer Otani Belle Isle and he can just (laughs) simply create, like, he can build a mansion and can have grounds and servants and whatever he wants. Uh, to bring him here, <laughs> give him yeah. Pablo too. And Pablo too, absolutely. He can have the boats, whatever. I don't care. Um, you know, it, it, Justin, the, I, I do want to go back to something. Let's go back to the team stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think there's some things. I think Scooble was so unbelievably strong. I mean, he really has the chance of being something special on this particular team, right? Then next year you, you should be getting Casey Mice back, right? And and he mm-hmm. should be and he should be relatively healthy, right? Um mm-hmm. weird thing that we absolutely have to talk about. And I, I get the I get some commentary saying, oh, you know, he's not a good bat. I'm like, time out, time out. Have you watched Parker Meadows play center field? I mean, wow. I I mean I He's making plays that we haven't seen in the longest time out in the outfield. And don't get me wrong, Riley Green was is a really nice glove, but I'm telling you right now, Parker Meadow makes it look so unbelievably natural, and and he will be an absolute asset to this team going forward in that particular outfield. And even if he backs 250, fine. And you know, going back to Torkelson, I I you know. I there's people that will complain about Torkelson, and I will kindly tell them, would you want Torkelson or do you want Pete Alonso? And immediately to go oh, Pete Alonso, I said go check out Pete Alonso's stacks this year, and then get back with me. Uh, you know, and and part of it, of course Alonso probably was he was probably 
sick to the stomach being a Met every day going to the stadium the way that particular team is run. So, but I, I, I guess the general point I'm making is is that there, there's some really, I mean, especially toward the end of the season, there's some really, really nice pieces that I'm hoping that people in context that understand baseball know that that you are going to finally, finally be able to build upon the, these particular pieces. And, and there's more, right? Hopefully Riley Green comes back healthy. Um, your double A team was the reason you didn't get a whole bunch of call-ups, by the way, this year is because your 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 double A team was in the playoffs to play a good portion of September. Um, so that, and, and that's where I'm just getting at is I, I do feel like we're we're headed the right direction, but at the same time, boy, it'd be nice to go out and get a trade for for like a really impactful veteran back. And I, I mean, I look at that 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 Phillies team. I, I would take all, almost anyone from that Phillies team and put them on here, and I think it would be mass improvement. Whether it be, I know Schwarber, yeah, take under two hundred, but man, is he a, mo- a monster in, in in that spot? Hey, maybe Castellanos. Maybe you drop the lead for Castellanos, or you know, and and, and a, yes, a bitter Bryce Harper five would bring. But I, that's where I would like to see this team go, and I think they can based on where they're at right now. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I think, you know, Justin and I have this long conversation not recorded, so kudos to us. <laughs> but I think, you know, our, you know, like, we just, the skepticism that I have about this offseason could not be higher. I I just, the way that they think, the way they approach baseball, you can look at a little bit of the Giants, you know, and see kind of how that that team was ran into the ground, uh, in my opinion. Um, I'm just very concerned that it's going to be a very um, – they'll make some signings, you know, but the <laughs> idea that they go out and put together a package that yields a a, a anchor to their lineup or even a, a number two in the lineup, you know, let's say Torkelson moves to the three-hole maybe, I don't know. The idea that they go get somebody for the four spot, you know, and via trade, I just I'm very skeptical. I'm very skeptical. I, I yeah. hope I hope if nothing else, my one saving grace, the one hope is that the DH position is open. There's a lot of guys that can you can get fairly cheap that can come into that spot and provide a bat that protects Torkelson and Green. So that's my hope as they go out and do that. But I think they're gonna look at guys like Veerling and McHistory and they're gonna want to give it a go. Uh, and you know, fate, you know, it'll be it'll be a coin flip with some of these guys. Um, yeah. I like Veerling a lot. McKistry was a gamer, gritted out a lot of it, you know, cooled down certainly. But uh, you're you're you know, I'd I'd actually frankly I'd throw Carpenter into that mix, who I who I like a lot more than those guys. But you're still banking on quite a li- quite a bit. You know, you're really hoping these guys turn into name brand players you know, two years from now, because that's the only way they get back to the playoffs is these guys actually maybe play above their station a little bit, you know, and I think that's a dangerous place to be. And and to elaborate on that a little bit, um, kind of what we had been talking about is, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what Harris is. What What is his philosophy on things? Because the Giants' philosophy is because we are smarter than everyone else and because we train you know we have better training we have better coaches we have better analytics we don't have to acquire top tier talent we go and get reclamation projects to fill out the roster and you know our young players need to come up and perform and produce obviously and 
you make strategic signings and trades and what have you. But it's a lot of go out and find the Zach McKinstries. And what makes me nervous is what we saw on the waiver wire. And, and look, Tyler Holton, what an amazing waiver wire pick that was. Um, but there was an awful lot of dumpster diving. And I'm not saying that's a terrible thing, particularly for a team that's struggling. It's, it's, it's completely reasonable. It's just going to be interesting to see whether or not the Tigers, be it from ownership, be it from Harris, are willing to go out and spend a big contract and make a big trade. That's one. And two, the other part that I haven't dared to say out loud yet is the other prevailing wisdom in, in the Giants' way of thinking and in some new baseball circles is you trade your young players when they're at the peak of their value, um, not when they're coming up on the end of their contracts. And so there has been some rumbling out in the baseball stratosphere that now's the time to trade Derek Skubal because you could get our King's ransom for him. I hate that. I hate that as a baseball fan. I hate that as a Detroit Tigers fan. Um, and I, and I am a big fan of maximizing your assets, which is why I advocated for trading Erod. Um, but you don't trade the guys who are in their first year of arbitration. You just don't do it um, without something extraordinary happening. In my opinion, that's not how you build a perennial winning team, which is what the whole point is, is to build a team that wins year after year. So we'll see. We'll see. And so maybe I'm just holding up my doomsday sign and I'm proved completely wrong. And I would be very happy to be wrong. But that's what I feel. I, I just think if you go out, you get a you go out and you get a veteran. Right. And and I, 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 I'll tell you the most interesting decision that this team will have this offseason as of right now is what they do with Eduardo Rodriguez. And to me, I think they have a tremendous opportunity because I, I, I think the market will be, I, I do believe deep down the market will become a lukewarm on him based on, on you know, his, his injuries and whatnot. But why he is a aren't perfect, they negotiating with him, Adam? Why aren't they negotiating? Well, I, I, I mean, I, do we know that they're not? Or, yeah, or they, I guess I, I don't know. Harris said they're not going to talk to him until after the season's over. Like, that's that's mind-numbing to me. Oh, absolutely. I, 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 yeah, he said that in the postseason wrap that okay. they don't plan any discussions until the season's over. And it, maybe it's Erod saying, "Sorry, guys, I want to see what's on the market." Maybe he's saying that, and they're just protecting him. Uh, it's possible. Right. But again, when you start looking at these little signs of things, just like we talked about at the trade deadline, if you weren't going to trade Erod, you had to either have a backup plan or you had to resign him. So those were the three options. And to know that they didn't even have a conversation, well, you know, who knows? They may have had some light conversations, but knowing they, they state publicly that they're not going to talk to him until he's a free agent. I mean, this is the time you talk to him. Unless he is flat saying, I'm not interested. But you know what? You offer him enough money, he'll take it. Honest. No, I, 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 I. Again, we can propose what they're going to do. Justin, one thing I did Clear. put out of a rundown sheet, but the new general manager, right? We, we have a new general manager who happened to be working in hockey. 
Um, but he was working with Theo Epstein before. Uh, so I think, you know, and, and we, we know how these Theo Epstein, uh, you know, disciples were, were, were they get you a job somewhere. Um, Justin, could you maybe, uh, I, I don't personally have any opinion uh, on it because it just didn't seem to be a whole lot out there to really have an opinion other than me pontificating on something that in the end is kind of hollow and shallow. So, so there's not a lot to say here. Um, you know, he only spent one year in hockey. Um, he had been in baseball prior to that. Uh, another young guy, and I'm really trying not to be a cantankerous old man telling people to get off my lawn. Um, but again, it goes to that theory that, and, and look, this has also existed in baseball for a long time, 30 years, where there's an up-and-coming group that says, we know how to do it better. At one point in time, it was Billy Bean. He was the savior of nutrition's. This is the next wave of that, that, hey, we know how to do it better. And all, all I can say is you, I hope you guys are willing to learn from history a little bit because baseball is a 150-year-old game. There are some things that analytics don't tell you. Um, you don't pull out your star pitcher in the fourth inning when he struck out five dudes, even though that's what the analytics say. And even though the game plan, as Schneider said, of course, I'm referring to the Blue Jays, he said after the game, our intention, our game plan is to use our entire roster. And it's, 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 it's an analytics-based approach. I get it. You're still wrong. So it just it's just like playing poker, okay? There are odds. There are stats. You should generally play to those if you'd like to win anyway. But you're also playing the player. You're also playing the other human. And that's another factor that you have to take into it. And to try to blindly just say, well, our game plan called for us to use these pitchers today. I, I, mm. It just makes me want to shake a stick and over my head, you know, kind of sand people Star Wars style or just be, you know, Clint Eastwood, Gran Torino style. Anyway, I'm sorry. I digress. But, but Justin, I think the good, the good news, though, is that there will only be so much of that with A.J. Hinch as your manager, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think um, that will be, again, as long as he's your manager, uh, he, you know, the, 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 he, he's going to continue to do, in my mind, as good of a job as a manager in baseball, um, having to be able to balance the, the 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 stats with the general feel of the game. And yes, there's times he does some pretty harebrained things, but I'll tell you what, I, they had that many wins this year because he was darn good at. In my, in my, I credit for this year for sure. I mean, I think my issue is that the two strategies that we've talked about today are in conflict, which is that you fill out your roster with trash and then say you want to use your whole roster. Okay, well, then go get someone better than Andy Abanez, please, for when you're going to take Torkelson out in the eighth inning or whatever with the bases loaded. Go get somebody who can actually the ball. Go get more depth in your starting rotation. Go get more depth in your bullpen. Stop fielding. Stop having to make me look at three to four triple, you know, four A guys per game, please. Then, 
pick pick a lane. You want to have a deep team where you're spending, you're not spending over thirty million on anybody, and you're just you're, you got you got a team loaded with solid major league talent. You want to go do that? Go right ahead, but don't put trash out there, and then you know say you want to exhaust all options. So that's what that's what we're going to have to wait and see for sure. And so free agency is going to be very very interesting um, with Erod in particular and just kind of getting a feel for what the Tigers choose to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, maybe, maybe for as the league overall, Adam, you know, maybe Erod won't have a big market, but in the American league, you know, people are desperate for left-handed pitchers. I, I just, no, I don't I'm... see a way in which he doesn't do, do well in the AL. Maybe the NL is a little cool on him, uh, you know, different league. Um, but man, the desperate need for lefties in the AL. And boy, it would be I, nice I, to have two of the top ten lefties in the AL if we if we retained him. Yeah, for sure. I think, no, that's, no, how, I think I, that's how good Scooble is. And and and, and I'll tell you the, the thing that watching these playoffs, the one big takeaway I got, at least as far as this Tigers organization, is is that they if you continue pitching as good as you have, your you you again the that that next step is really that offense right because i'll tell you what you got some teams in the in the playoffs that are just i mean the, the, the pitching has been nothing but a struggle you know i i give you i'll, I'll give you an excellent example i referred to our good friend clay flame again he was very concerned he said they have his rangers had no chance against the the, the double ratings and i said i said clay double race got no pitching at this point and I said, "You're you have really good hitting that's going to destroy that that pitching." And you know, because there were only one or two pitchers, you know, deep basically to begin with before they got all injured. And and it, it just shows you because of what the, the Tigers have been able to do, if they can just figure out the offense. I, I think, and and they slowly but surely are are getting there, but they they got to do more. And again, they they got to be able to trade and, and bring out a guy. Who I think will be a, a veteran will really support this lineup. Yeah. But again, hope is not a strategy. That's what Me, that's the only thing yeah, we got. Meanwhile, while we're debating different pathways of baseball strategy, Dave Dombrowski pushing seventy probably doesn't even know how to open Excel. Is going to have another team in the World Series, and might actually have a shot at winning this one. I don't know. Houston's going to be tough again. I assume they're going to get out, but yep. 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 Jordan Alvarez is good, so I think he's pretty good. He is pretty good. There's a few different, few good players left, but there are some good players and some great baseball that's been going on. So looking forward to watching things down the stretch here. Um, before we get out of here today, just talk about the Red Wings real quick, kicking off their season, and not a lot to talk about here other than to say what. I said last time, at least from my standpoint, is they actually have a real NHL roster. This is not the quote-unquote trash roster that Brandon was referring to with the Tigers had. Um, last year, they had a trash roster. Uh, I mean, again, there's... I try to keep things very mild and even feel in my approach. I, and I appreciate that. No hyperbole um, whatsoever. No, none. Never. There has never been one ounce of hyperbole on, uh, uttered on this program. Um, so the wings are 
not fielding a 4A team this year. They are fielding a legitimate NHL top-to-bottom roster. And so for my money, this means, and granted, they're in a really tough division, um, but I have to think they should be able to sneak into a playoff spot, and it's almost a failure if they don't. I mean, barring it being one of those seasons where, you know, 100 points barely gets you in, um, they got to they got to make the playoffs. And I think the lineup could be good enough to do it, and they'll be playing later on tonight. Tampa? Yeah, they got the home opener uh, as we're recording this, uh, app, you know, tonight. Um, they've got, you know, they went ahead and, and they replaced six of their players. Um, and uh, the six players that they replaced are nowhere to be found in hockey at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, you add a guy like the Brinkett, um, I do wonder, you know, again, and, and we're still waiting for, uh, you know, some of these young players to really emerge, you know, to really be, um, fantastic, you know, but I, I agree, Justin, I, I, you know, unless the, the, you know, the goalie situation is a complete failure, I, I fully expect that this team will make the playoffs. Um, but not only do I expect it, I, I think it needs to be a, a, a demand. It needs to be a requirement. Uh, and, and, and from that standpoint, um, you know, <laughs> we desperately need, um, more teams in the playoffs, hopefully, uh, and, and I think in this particular case, they're plus 200 uh, to make the playoffs according to one of the books. And uh, I, I think um, the, the only big challenge is, again, playing in the East, where, boy, it's, it's a gauntlet in the East. So, Yeah, that is. Um, I think it's also worth saying that the Wings still do have a lot of talent uh, in the minors as well. Um, so there is a possibility they could be very good for a very long time. And at least that's that's what I'm hoping hoping and praying for. So last thing on the docket, uh, Ryder Cup. Um, how you feeling? Uh, got some good patriotic zeal going on? No, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. And it it wasn't even like it like it like kind of lingered for a while. I mean, it was a complete turd right from the first minute that it started. And I mean, you lost every match in the morning on Friday, and you, I don't know, what they won one in the afternoon, and so you're already down six going into day two. And, you know, they kind of put on a little bit of a charge in singles and, and, and whatever. But the bottom line was, I mean, they just were non existent. And I mean, there was some, oh, well, maybe they got, you know, a virus or whatever and stuff like that. The biggest problem is these guys don't play golf for five weeks. Well, the Europeans play right up to the Ryder Cup. And you're out there and you're completely cold, right? And yeah, there's a little bit of drama about should they get paid or not, whatever. But really, I think it really comes down to they need to be playing golf up to that moment and 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 and, and making it happen. The other problem, to be honest, is I look at that squad, there was not a whole lot of veterans on that team, like a very, very young squad. And it just seems like, and, and, and you'll, you you look at the, you know, some of the captains, picks, Justin Thomas, who, I don't know, he forgot how to play golf this year. I, I really am. And I, he did all right, but boy, I, I just, it, 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 and especially with the live tour and a couple of the guys, and I know 
everybody, everybody and their mother and everyone else that they're related to hates Patrick Reed. Guess what? Patrick Reed belongs on the American team because he's the guy that goes out and gets it done. And even, you know, a lesser extent, Preston DeChambeau, I got to go back and look at what he did in Bass Ryder Cups. I think he played one or two. Um, but, uh, you, yeah. you know, I, I, it got to be better. You got to be better for that. Yeah, I, I, Patrick Reed's a human turd. Um, but he is the kind of specialist is probably unfair, but he's just the kind of guy that presents challenges, particularly in match play, you know, and like uh, in, in some of these these two-on-twos where they were just dreadful. And I, I mean, I could not believe that I spent time out of you know, days and you know, work schedule and things like that to watch, you know, a pairing like Scheffler and Kepka not be able to just blow out whoever they're playing. Those two guys should destroy anyone on that on the European team. I'm sorry. Like, with the way they played the last year, those two guys, you know, I get it. Hovland's a hot hand. He's playing amazing golf, but come on. You know, like, just Morikawa, where was he? What was that? I mean, just, yeah, just pathetic. And then, you know, I think guys that we, I, I won't say I like Justin Thomas, but I mean, like, guys that we've relied, you know, Spieth and Thomas, just not effective. You know, I just, I don't know when we're going to just let that let that that pairing just sail into the sun. I'm not saying these guys don't make the team in 25, but I don't know. I I think um I think they they, they need to reassess top to bottom the roster to Adams point and I need I think they need to consider adding some savvier guys for lack of a more precise term. Uh some guys that can put some pressure on European teams that are always crafty why they keep a guy like Rose around, right? You know, just crafty. Just he's going to cause you problems. He's going to push you around the greens. He's going to make you hit shots you don't want to hit because he's just going to stick a few. Yeah, he's not going to hit the bombs like some of our guys, but like just that, that kind of talent on the team. And I think Patrick Reed's exactly one of those guys. So I just woof. Um, that was that was rough. That was a rough watch. So and against again, you know, again, like. Maybe I'm being too hard on the European side. I just I just didn't feel like they had the depth to really push this team or to, to dominate like they dominated. Yeah, I get it. You know, Rahm and Hovland, McElroy, whatever. But I, I don't know. Just I, I think Sunday made it seem a lot closer than it was. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think the Europeans went into Sunday and were like, yeah, we got to get like, what, two or three of these and let's have some fun. And the Americans were like, you know, do or die, playing do or die golf, and we still lost by four or five points. That's that's rough. All right. With that, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of the Saturday Morning Sports Emporium. Next time around, um, we'll obviously have more in the football world, be much deeper into the seasons to see what's going on there. We'll get at least a little bit of a taste of what's going on in hockey and basketball. Um, free agency should have started in the major leagues. And um, we'll also talk probably about some Oakland University stuff as well. Mm -hmm. So with that said, for Brandon Lee and Adam Swenson, my name is Justin Lee. And thanks for listening to this edition of Saturday Morning Sports Emporium. We'll see you next time.